Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you with me today on this beautiful Sunday morning here at the Digital Cathedral. Trust you're rested, ready to go. Have your coffee at hand, your Bible, if you want to. You can follow along. We always use a lot of scripture here at the Digital Cathedral and talk about it. I want to pick up this morning where I left off last week. I didn't get nearly as far last week as I wanted to get. And the last point that we made last week is a very important point because it has to do with how you perceive you, it has to do with identity. We left off last week with the question you need to answer for yourself. All right? Every one of us need to answer this question for ourselves. The question is this, does the Father see you this morning as a servant or does he see you as a son? Now that's an important question, especially with the journey that we're on because how you answer that question is going to determine how you perceive that the Father sees you, and it's going to determine how you believe that you are yourself as you, as you walk this journey out. So the question is this, honestly, sincerely, do you think the Father sees you as a servant or as a son? If you think you're a servant, then Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which we used last week, where Jesus said, familiar scripture, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, if you think you're a servant, then Matthew 6.33 doesn't have a lot of significance to you simply because the kingdom is a family business. The kingdom, if I could say it this way, the kingdom is, is God and sons, incorporated. It's the sons with the father that function in the kingdom. And I think that's that's one major reason why the church has not taught a lot about kingdom and even less on the manifestation of the sons of God because the church has been hung up on us being a servant of God. And there's some, there's some very strong reasons, and I don't want to get into all the reasons, but essentially, bottom line is this. The church needs people to come and serve. That, so we, we emphasize in the church world, we emphasize servanthood a lot but we don't emphasize manifesting as a son and we don't talk that much about the kingdom and how to flesh that kingdom out and how to walk it out in daily living. Now, here's the difference. A servant has no rights. A servant has no position. A servant has no inheritance. The servant is there to do one thing and that is to simply serve. Even if you're a good servant, even if you're a faithful servant, you will never have the future in the family business, you'll never, or in this case, the kingdom, you'll never have the future in the kingdom that a son of the king has, nor will you ever possess the kingdom. If we're going to possess the kingdom, if we're going to walk as sons, that we need to take and shift our mindset a little bit. Now, you can live as religion taught you. You can live as a servant, or you can live, as Paul taught, as a manifested son of God. Now, you might have noticed the title of, the, of the, the message last week, teaching last week and this week, because really both of those are true, but we just have to get them in right priority. The truth is this. Actually, you're a servant by position. That's who you be. You're a servant by manifestation. That's what you do. Jesus, Jesus understood fully that he was a son of God. But he also understood that he didn't come to be ministered to, he came to minister. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. So we've got to get this in right, in right priority. A, a son is who you be. 
That's your identity. You can't change that. But a servant, that's what we do. But your do is not your identity. Your be is your identity. And I know a lot of you have outgrown that religious system of just being a servant and serving and serving and serving without having a right identity. And you have awakened to your identity as being divinity, as sons of God. So you, you've, you've come to where you understand you're walking through different levels of sonship as we're on this journey. And I've spent entire teachings <clears throat> excuse me, on levels of sonship. But let me just highlight it real, real quick because all of us are in one of these phases, I think, of sonship. First word that scripture uses for sonship is the word napios, N-E-I-P-O-S. And napios is a brand new infant. It's just been born. And it, that's likened unto a napios. Um, if you have a newborn, if you've ever uh, had a newborn that has been your child or grandchild, you know that they have to be taken care of 24-7. They can't do anything for themselves. They have to be fed. You have to change their diapers. Uh, you really can't teach an infant much. All they do is eat and sleep and mess their diapers up, right? That's the life of an apios. And we see that in the kingdom too. And I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. But that's why we see people in the kingdom of God that are all messed up. They're just napiases. Are they in the kingdom? Absolutely. Are they on a level of sonship? Absolutely, for sure. Paul said it like this, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to try to give you a scripture on each of these levels of sonship, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about. Because when you read scripture, it's hard, it's hard to determine the level or the, the word that Paul is actually using to designate the level of authority. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, he said that we should no longer be children, and the word is napios. And here's how napios is. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive us. A napios oftentimes is this way today, is that way tomorrow. He follows the strongest personality, etc., etc., etc. Now, thank God we don't remain infants. The natural progression is that you grow. And the next word that the Greek New Testament uses in our stages of development as a son is the word pation, P-A-I-D-I-O-N, pation. And this, is, this would be likened to a toddler, maybe, maybe three years old till 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere right in there. It's a, it's a young child, in other words, it's a young child. And, and that toddler's just beginning to function on his own. He's exploring his world. It's a brand new world. He's open to everything. You ever seen people come into the kingdom like this? And man, they're just so excited. They love everybody. Everything is so good. Everything is so great. Everything they run into is a brand new revelation. They're so excited. You know, and, and that's, that's how a pation is. They think they're beginning to, to, to feel their way. They're beginning to see some things. And in Matthew chapter 18, excuse me if I'm a little hoarse today, I'm just getting over some stuff that's, that's tried unsuccessfully to get a hold of me. <laughs> Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1, I'm going to read down through verse 5 because here's how patians are. At that time, Jesus, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child, patian is the word there. And sent him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, strepho, unless there's a dramatic change, change of direction, opposite course, 
and you become as a little child, a pantheon, you'll by no means enter the kingdom. Therefore, whosoever humbles himself as this child in is enter, is the greatest in the kingdom of God. The great I don't like that word greatest there. That's not a good interpretation. I think mighty or strong would be good. To be greatest sounds like I'm in competition with somebody, and we're not in competition with anybody. Word mighty or strong is better. So whoever comes in like a little child will be mighty and strong in the kingdom. And whosoever receives one of these little children like this in my name receives me. Okay, now you continue to grow, you continue to progress and develop. And the next word that we find in the Greek New Testament is the word technon, T-E-K-N-O-N. That's, that's like a teenager. It means a young adult. And there's so many characteristics we could pin on to teenagers that are so <laughs> accurate for people that are technons in the kingdom. Technon, you know, in the natural, just begin to feel his Wheaties. He's getting his driver's license. You know, they, they think they know everything. Uh, hard to convince, hard-headed, stubborn. Uh, they're in need of discipline and need of oversight. They have tremendous potential. Tremendous potential. But sometimes they're their own worst enemy because of their immaturity. They think they're mature. Teenagers think they're mature. But you and I both know, looking back on our life, when you were 15, 16, 17 years old, you were not a mature adult. Thought you were. Thought you knew everything. Couldn't be told anything. This is, I'm drawing parallels to technons in the kingdom of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul uses this phrase several times. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore be followers of God as dear children. See, it's hard to distinguish what he's talking about, napias, pation, or a technon. But he's talking about a technon here. Verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are the light. Walk in the light as children of the light, or as technons. In other words, grow up. You need to keep progressing here. Then he says in, in chapter 6, same book, Ephesians, he says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Words technon. Boy, that not that true in the natural? Need, technons need to obey their parents. They need to be in submission to their parents. Uh, then he says in verse 4, And you fathers, do not provoke your technons. <laughs> your parents ever provoke you? Have you ever provoked your, your teenagers? He said, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Okay, so technons have tremendous potential, but they're teenagers. Now, here's, here's where we start to come into maturity. The word for a mature son is the word weos, H-U-I-O-S. It's the word that's often used of Jesus. Um, weoses are full of love. They're mature sons. They're, they're great older brothers. I, you know, if you had an older brother, I hope you had an older brother that was a good example because we tend to follow the example of older brothers, right? They're, they're fun to be around. They're joy to be around. They should set a good example for us. Um, they reflect Jesus spiritually. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul uses this term, and I could go on and on and on. I've, I've done full teachings on this before, but I just, I just want to highlight this for you because of where we're going this morning. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Just stay with me today because we have a definite mission in mind. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. They're mature sons. So mature sons are led by the Spirit of God. It's one characteristic of a mature son. Then in verse 19, 
He says, for the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the revelation of the weases, the mature sons of God. Now that's sonship. There is one more stage of development, which the body of Christ is crying out for today. And that's mothers and fathers. And the word for a spiritual father is the word patier, P-A-T-E-R. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.15, and I'm just paraphrasing it, he said, you've had a lot of teachers, a lot of instructors in Christ. A lot of people can, can unwrap things. A lot of people can show you things. But he said, you don't have, haven't had many fathers. Those are able to guide you and instruct you and hold on to you in tough times. We need fathers desperately in the kingdom. So it's these last two, the we, us, and the Pathier, that seek the kingdom. They give priority to the kingdom. The kingdom becomes their focus. They're living in the kingdom. Um, Napiases, Padians and Technons, in and out, partial, most not living in the kingdom. They're still living by their senses. But the Weases and the Patiers are no longer moved by senses. They've undergone this huge shift. They've realized they have realigned their priorities. Their views have probably changed a lot in, in, in the years that they've been developing in their sonship. So I, I gave you that long introduction because we us as in pat years have tapped into something that the others, that the Patheon, the Napias, and the Technons need to grow into and need to enter if they desire the kingdom of God to fully manifest and to seek it first by priority. Now, we ask us in Pat here, let me take you back to Matthew 6.33. Here's how they function. Six, Matthew 6.33 says that you seek first the kingdom. To seek means you desire it. You prioritize it. You search it. You investigate it. You explore it, right? You, you encounter revelation. This is where your heart is. You're seeking. What, what you seek is where your heart is. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So your treasure is in the kingdom. We as impactors have come to the understanding that everything they need, everything they desire is within that kingdom. And he said, seek first the kingdom, which is the domain of the king. It's the rule of the father. And this, these are, this is what's within you. And this, in just a couple minutes, I'm going I'm to highlight on that because I want to talk this morning about how to go within, how to, die, how to deep dive within you to pull out the stuff that has already been placed within you. All right? But let me just walk you through this Matthew 6.33 because it has to become a priority. It has to understand, to seek it, you're after it. You're, on, you're in pursuit of it. And you understand what your pursuit of is the kingdom, the domain, the rule of the Father, and His righteousness. You're after what is deemed right and true by the Spirit of truth, which is, which is approved in the eyes of the Father, also known as the tree of life. So what you're after is the tree of life here. You're not after the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're after the tree of life. And when you, when you seek it, you prioritize it. You understand now you've entered into a dimension of the rule and the reign of the Father. You've given up your rights. You've moved into his, his kingdom and his righteousness. You understand that the tree of life is where you're at. You're not instructing him. You're not telling him. You're just showing up in what he says you do. He says all these things will be added to you. Here's the dilemma. If we aren't aware, if we're not tuned in to what we know belongs to us, 
and how to appropriate it, we're not going to know how to discover what's in the kingdom. Bottom line like this, Peter said this. Peter said, everything pertaining to life and godliness belongs to you. Where is it? It's in the kingdom. It's in the kingdom. Well, how, how do you tap it? First, you got to seek it. I want to talk to you about seeking the kingdom this morning. That's why we get frustrated because things aren't manifesting. We're not, we're not creating it from the unseen to the seen, right? Now, if you, you tap into what I'm going to share, then Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All right? And you begin to enjoy the fruit then of Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. I, bet, I would imagine most of you know Matthew 6.33. You could quote it by heart. If I just start it, seek first, you could just finish first. How many of you know what verse 34 says? Verse 34 is the fruit of verse 33. I, I, I want to move you into the kingdom this morning. I want, you to, I want to help you to move deep within the kingdom. Because I want you to experience verse 34, which says, Therefore, remember I've told you time and time again, therefore is a, is a conclusion. So the conclusion of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness when you begin to experience the things that are added unto you, therefore, do not worry. Here's verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So when you, when you tap into the kingdom and you begin to experience kingdom life, when the weasses and the patiers move into the kingdom, prioritize it. See what the Father's saying. Move away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Say, Father, give me an insight about this. Father, show me about this. And what he shows you, you simply follow. You don't worry about tomorrow. Worry leaves. Fear leaves. Those, those come from the wrong tree. More about that in a few minutes. <clears throat> verse 33, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, to me is one of the easiest verses in all of the sayings of Jesus that I think is the easiest to follow. I think it's easy to follow simply because he lays it out so simply that you just do this by priority. You, uh, you understand the directives that Jesus gives us, and then you just do those. That's seeking the kingdom. All right, now I'm going to begin to move into where I wanted to go. That was a long introduction this morning, a long introduction. I've wanted to get into this for a little while because I think it will help you. All right, let's, let's, look, let's deep dive this. Kingdom sons and kingdom daughters have got to tap into the unseen. They have got to tap into the spirit world if we're going to draw on the kingdom. And how do you do that? What is the connector between the natural and the spiritual? What, what is it that connects these two? It's when, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's when you get quiet and you begin to ponder and meditate. Let me say a word here. I've talked to you about my change in prayer lives, and a lot of you have affirmed the prayer life has changed. Prayer life, my prayer life is different than it ever has been. I used to have a set time to pray, did that for years. My prayer life today is a running conversation with God. Prayer is communing, it's communication with God, and Him communing and communicating back with you. Meditation is an entirely different animal. And I take some time to be quiet every day. It's not my prayer time. It's my meditation time. It's my time to get quiet and listen. 
God created you exactly as he created the prototype son, Jesus, as a connector. Listen to me carefully. He created you as a bridge between the natural and the spiritual. And the ideal walk of a manifesting son of God is to be able to function in those two realms at any given time. So how do you connect the two dimensions? I'll tell you how Jesus did it. Jesus went off by himself. Did Jesus have a running conversation with the Father? I believe that he actually did. He said, I only do what I see you do. I only say what I hear you say. I, that, I think that's, that's spontaneity. I think when Jesus met the woman at the well, when he encountered Zacchaeus, went to the grave of Lazarus, I think all of that response that Jesus gave came out of his ability to walk in a conscious awareness of the Father most, most every minute of every day. But I do notice in Scripture that Jesus still went off apart. He went off by himself. <clears throat> Paul went off to receive the revelation of grace, spent a lot of time off by himself. It's a lost art today. It really is. And it's not a difficult thing. There are books that have been written. There's hours and hours of teaching on this. And I think we can make it too, way too complicated, really. I really do. But it's something that's a lost art today. It's because we have cell phones and TVs and social media. So many things distract us that the day gets by us and we don't even realize that the day is well spent, that the day is gone. But I'll tell you this. I know this from experience. It is the absolute secret of revelation. It is the absolute secret of the Father showing you what you've never seen before. It's the absolute secret of being aware of his presence. And people know when you've been in the presence of the Father, right? This is where power flows from. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, this is, this is, a, this is a, 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 a dynamite verse. And those that were making the observation could not deny it. Acts chapter 4, I want you to watch this because this, this is the result of spending time alone with him. 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that these were uneducated and untrained men, they are fishermen, man. They were not PhD degree people. They marveled and they realized, watch, that they had been with Jesus. Now this is well after the, the, the resurrection and the 40 days Jesus spent with them. They realized that they had been with Jesus. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. These guys, nothing scared them. Circumstances did not affect them. They were not made fearful. They weren't harmed by anything. How, how did they get that boldness? Well, the observers couldn't deny it. They had been with Jesus. So here's what, here's what I'm encouraging you this morning. Have your running conversation. Driving in your car, talk to the Father. Listen to what He says to you. You're mowing the lawn. You're doing dishes. You're, you're putting clothes in the dryer. You know, you're folding them up, putting them in the drawer. Whatever you're doing, have that running conversation. Be aware of His presence. But you absolutely need some time. And if you don't have time for 15, 10, 15 minutes a day to just shut it down, turn TV off, turn your phone off, put it somewhere where you don't hear it if it rings, and just say, look, I'm going to be quiet. I want to listen to you. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to listen. That, that practice, 
that practice is going to begin to unfold some depths. All right. There's this is a little sidetrack, just a natural illustration, but I think you'll you'll understand it. There's a thing called the rule of ten thousand hours, and the, the rule is this: that if you really want to learn something, really want to master it, doesn't matter what it is, language, a, a skill, whatever it is, that if you will spend twenty hours a week. That's four hours a day, five days a week. If you'll spend 20 hours a week for 50 weeks out of the year, that's 1,000 hours. If you'll do that for 10 years, that's 10,000 hours, you can master most anything. You can learn most anything you want to learn if you put 10,000 hours into it. And I'm not suggesting you sit out for four hours a day, five days a week. <clears throat> I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just making a very simple point that it's that practice. It's that habit. It's that moving within it. Nobody, nobody would expect you to learn to play the piano unless you practiced. My parents had me take piano lessons when I was, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years old. I hated it. I didn't want to practice. I wanted to go play ball. I was a baseball player. Always had been all my life. Played ball through college. I didn't want to practice the piano. Finally, they got the message and let me stop taking lessons. You know why I didn't never pursue the piano? I didn't want to practice. They wanted me to practice a half hour a day. I did not want to practice. I had other things on my mind. So I never became a piano player. How can we, it's a question, how can we expect to learn the ways of the kingdom or the leading of the spirit as mature sons if we don't come apart and get out of all the noise, set ourselves apart from all the static. See, when you shut it down and you go within and you focus on what arises from within, you focus on that inner man, you'll find that you're, you're, you're going to become very attuned to the presence of the Father and His voice. And you'll become Father conscious, you'll become Kingdom of God conscious, and you'll begin to hear and you'll begin to see things that you never heard or saw before. The great invitation that Jesus passed on to his men shows the priority, in my thinking, it shows the priority, the secret of, of, of seeking first the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, just a couple, or Mark, Mark chapter 6 and verse 31, <clears throat> let, me, let me read this for you. Because Jesus never let this escape from them. Listen to me carefully this morning. This, this stuff, I'm absolutely telling you, this will change your life. This will change the way that you practically live and practically walk. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. And Jesus said to the disciples, Come aside by yourselves to a, to a deserted place or you know, to the desert place and rest a while. And that's what you're doing when you set aside 10 minutes. 15 minutes, what five minutes, whatever it is. For there were many coming and going, and they did not have even have time to eat. Life has a way of doing that. Life has a way of getting us so caught up in what we're doing every day that we don't have time for anything. You, you, you become amazed. You look back at the day and say, what did I get done today? Yet you were extremely busy. That's what was going on with them. So Jesus said, look, look, look let's stop the, stop the train. Let's stop the bus. Let's get out into this desert place by ourselves, so that we can spend a few minutes in quiet because there's so much static and so much stuff going around us. He said, so that you can rest. 
That means you cease your action, you relax, you shut your mind down. See, God wired you. God built you. God constructed you to tap into the wisdom and the power and to meet the unknown through this, this practice of meditation. Um, now just stay with me because I'm going to keep unwinding this as I go along. N never forget this. Never forget this. Doing is secondary always to being. Doing is secondary to being. Sons and daughters can only effectively do when they see who they be. And you'll learn more and more and more who you be when you pull aside, take the words of Jesus, come into a, a deserted place, a desert place, where there's not all kinds of people around vying for your attention, and just shut it down. Stop the mental activity, cease your action, and just listen. Sons and daughters can only effectively do. Remember, your servants by manifestation, that's what you do. But your sons by position, that's who you be. Here's the contrast. Here's the contrast between do and be. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went <clears throat> that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mar Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted. The call was to hang out with Jesus. Jesus showed up at their house. Martha was distracted with much serving. In other words, she's in the, in the kitchen making sandwiches that Jesus never asked for. And that's what some of our activity becomes. It becomes activity in busy work that Jesus never asked us to do. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Get her in this rush with me. I don't want to be making these sandwiches, these party-sized sandwiches all by myself out in the kitchen. Tell her to shag out there and help me. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. So Jesus, Jesus right there sets the bar in verse 42. He says, here's the good thing. Let you just come aside and set, set some time with me. Come alone, set some time with me, right? When we're conscious of his presence, it radiates from us. People catch it like they did in, in Acts 4.13, where they said, we perceive these men have been with Jesus. Man, they are bold, but they're ignorant, they're unlearned. Where did they get this wisdom? Where did they get the revelation? Where did they get the insight? They've been with Jesus. It, it, it shows, it comes off of us. Now, there's a lot of good doing. Martha, Martha wasn't doing anything bad. She wouldn't do anything evil, even some of the unselfish doing. And Martha, Martha was sacrificing her time to go in there and make sandwiches, put a pizza in the oven. She was, she was doing something that was good. It just had one too many O's. It wasn't the call of that particular hour. And there are often times that are better served and accomplished more effectively without stress and anxiety if we learn to just come aside with him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and verse 34, rises out of your be, not your do. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
not worrying about the things of tomorrow, that all comes as you generate spiritual depth and understanding out of your be. See, seek from your be. Be a son. Now, let me just give you a couple practical things here. When you, when you withdraw, when you come off by yourself, this is important. Don't trouble yourself thinking about your failures. I've been there, done that. <clears throat> don't, don't meditate about your shortcomings. Don't meditate on looking back saying, I wish I had it done, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Get, get a simple Jesus statement. Get a simple Paul statement. Get, get something simple like, Jesus said, love me as I've loved you. And think about that. Think about something Paul said. How about this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be, just begin to ponder that. Begin to meditate on that. And here's what you're going to find. You say, well, that's nothing what I, I, I want to know. Nothing what I'm inquiring. Here's what you're going to find. The Spirit will expand it. The Spirit of God within you will refocus it into revelation and wisdom that you need for the now. But what, those, what, those, what that simple activity of taking a simple statement of Jesus or Paul and just beginning to think about it. Set down, clear your mind, just begin to ponder it. See, we go apart in stillness. We listen in stillness and we come out into the world with new inspiration. I will tell you for sure that's what will happen. You come out with courage. We interact and we commune with God. That's prayer. What? Interacting commune. That's my running prayer all day long. God talks to us. That's inspiration. That's his, that's his breath. He, when you're alone, he breathes into you. He, he rekindles that breath. He inspires you. That's what, the word, that's what the word inspired means. It means breath. 1 Timothy 3.16 said, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God breathed into them. God, God breathed his life into it. And when you come apart, he breathes his life into you, and it shows, right? When we don't come apart and, and settle into his presence, what you'll settle into is the depths of your mind. You'll be caught up all day long in what you're thinking. Wrong tree. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's where we make things right, wrong, good, bad, and those choices create stress because honestly, we don't make the best choices all the time in our life. So those choices are going to create some stress in your life, right? So you want to stay away from the stress. You want to stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're going to meditate and contemplate on one of two kingdoms. Either the kingdom of God within, within the depths of your being, you're going to go in, you're going to touch that kingdom. Or you're going to touch what the mind has, has been fed by five physical senses. You get quiet, you're going to think about, I don't feel right, I don't have any money, uh, I got this problem with this person, um, I'm, I'm not making it, I need a new job, whatever it is. Fear comes. If you forget everything this morning, remember this. Fear comes when you meditate on what is in your mind. Faith comes when you meditate on what is in the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy, right? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Fear comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Outside force trying to come in. 
Faith comes from the tree of life. The tree of life is in the very center of your being, and, and, and faith arises from within you. So whichever kingdom you're going to put first, if you're going to put first the kingdom of God, then that's what's going to come forth. If you put first the natural kingdom, the kingdom of, of, of intellect, of mind, of sense perception, that's what will come forth. You'll produce fruit either of the flesh that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you'll produce the fruit of the Spirit. Now what grace does is this. <clears throat> this is one of the powerful things about grace. Grace frees us from the restraints of the natural. Grace frees us from being governed by the laws of our flesh. Paul said it so well in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's just read a couple of verses here and let old Paul say it for us this morning. Here's what we're trying to say. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. That's what you meditate on. That's what you see. And those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So it comes down to which mindedness are you going to be? Where are you going to set your quiet time? Some of you lay awake all night, tossing and turning, thinking about fearful things, dreadful things. What might happen? What could come about? The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, which is love and faith, nor indeed can it be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Are you with me? The life of the Spirit is what brings life. And the life of Spirit is one that has let go. It has released. It has let go, and it trusts God in all things. It trusts God in everything. The life of Spirit frees us from people. Criticism of people. There are going to be people who criticize you. People don't like you. People don't believe what you believe. It'll free you from that. I love the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. This, this guy went through, I mean, you think there's no hell. This guy went through hell. Sold into slavery by his brothers. That'd be enough, enough for most of us just to turn from God. Then he was, uh, uh, Potiphar's wife falsely accused him. He got thrown into prison. The prison keeper double-crossed him. But he kept advancing because he, he was right where God wanted him to be. And finally, there was a famine in the land, and Joseph was promoted to prime minister. And his brothers come to see him, hat in hand, because they need food. And Joseph is the one who's in charge. But because Joseph had kept his priorities on the presence of God in his life, through all of the difficulties, through all the snares, when his brothers come, he didn't lash out. He didn't, he didn't lower the boom on them. He said this to them. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. <clears throat> that has got to be the perspective. I know you're going to face pushback. I know you're going to face opposition. I know this is why I'm saying, look, you need to come alone. It doesn't have to be a difficult thing. Just begin to ponder something that Jesus said or what, what he has shown you. And let, him, let the spirit of truth begin to expand it out. 
The key to living a victorious life, as we tap into the silence of our being, that's where the rubber meets the road. As you do that, all right, listen, you receive grace within. You become aware of righteousness within. You become aware of God's presence within. It's, it's like you inhale grace and righteousness and you exhale reigning in life. Paul said those that receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. The insight, the ability to reign in this life now today comes from, comes from setting time aside and just meditating alone. We are sons by position, servants by manifestation. And because we're a son by position, we follow the example of the only begotten son from whom we all came. We bring ourselves aside, even as Paul did, and let him minister and speak to us. Amen? All right, I think that's a good place to stop right there. I've given you enough to think about. Next Sunday morning, we're going to go back to John. I want to talk about the conversation Jesus had with the woman at the well. And watch how Jesus takes all the dualities and brings it right back into inclusion and one. I look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for being with me this morning. I know I covered a lot last week and this week. Go back and listen to it again. Take some notes. Break it down. And let the Father show you all of the little nuggets and gems that are encased in this teaching. God bless you. See you Wednesday night at the Secret Place 7. Back next Sunday morning, Digital Cathedral, 10 a.m. Central. Have a wonderful week.